and welcome to the Mixed Dandelions podcast, where we talk about being mixed military and moving on. Today's guest is James. I haven't seen James in a couple of decades. We first met at Scott Air Force Base. Um, we went to Muscuta High School today together. So welcome, James. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Of course. <laughs> So um, let's get let's just get started. Give us a little intro to yourself, um, and then also, how do you? I guess what's your racial ethnic background? How do you self-identify? Um, and then what other information you want to give? Uh, no, so I am um, a father of five, a blended family. Uh, me and my wife both had two kids uh, when we got married, and then we had one together. Uh, so father of five, grandfather of. 10, well, the 10th one's on the way. Uh, let me see, military Brett, you know, which is why I'm part of the podcast. <laughs> um, how do I identify racially? It, it's, it's, it's funny because on my birth certificate, it says Negro. Uh, oh. As, uh, as I got older, I guess it, it switched from Negro to Black. And then now, I think in the 90s, it switched to African-American. So Black African-American, uh, you know, I really don't put too much weight on it, but that's how if I was identified. Uh, I don't know if one is racial and one is ethnic, mm -hmm. but I would say Black African-American or American of African descent, I think is now what some folks are calling it now. So how do you, though, like what terms, because I know some people do get offended with the terms um, Negro or with uh, Black or, and they prefer African-American. Do you prefer one to, over the other? So, I, well, I think Negro is kind of outdated. Uh, right, uh, definitely. So kind of real, still kind of close to the other words. So we're not going to go. And we'll not say that word, no. <laughs> uh, so I think that's why, why so, but if somebody was, you know, identify, yeah, if somebody was to call me, yeah, that black guy or the African-American guy, it, it doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. I, either or, you know, uh, I don't get offended. By I feel like that's kind of a generational thing, too, because um, I think, yeah, like maybe we were maybe the last generation that used the term black and then... Yeah. Um, like today's generation more uses African-American and I'm yeah. just finding that more people like our age or older. Yeah. yeah like it, yeah. they aren't really concerned, but then younger people do get offended with, they would prefer yeah. African-American. Mm -hmm. So I am finding that to be, or even the same, yes, with the term Negro, like our parents probably use that more, but that's yeah. still even a, like a word that I don't, I don't think it's a bad word, but it's still a word I don't like saying still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it, I think. It's weird. Yeah, because it's weird because, you know, just to see it on my birth certificate, it was like, oh, yeah. wow, okay. And then That's interesting. Uh, I looked at my, uh, my parents' birth certificate, their birth certificate says color, which is. Oh, interesting. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, yeah, it's our history, you know. So, it is, yes. And it's always changing and evolving and hopefully for the better, right? <laughs> As time goes on. <laughs> we won't get into that though right now because <laughs> we'll digress, I think. <laughs> but um, okay, well, so let's, um, so you were an Air Force brat, right? Yes, Air Force brat, huh? Yeah. And then you said too, you spent how many years in the army, right? Yeah, I was three years. Yeah, so I'm a three-year army vet. Uh, went in right after high school, graduated in 92. Uh, and literally a month later, 
graduated in May. In June, I was in boot camp. <laughs> so then I spent three years in the regular army, active duty. Uh, and then uh, after I got out, I did another five, six years in the National Guard. In the National Guard. So what made you join the Army versus the Air Force? Uh, be honest, the Army recruiter got to me first. <laughs> Those Army um, recruiters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he actually he got to me the summer before my senior year, um, uh, and and I wasn't you know I wasn't doing as well as I should have been doing in school, mm-hmm. uh, you know not you know just breezing through you know so and I didn't want so when he came to me with the Army College Fund and money for school and all that you know I thought that could be a a burden lifted off my parents you know I mm-hmm. go to Army three years they'll pay for school in and out. Uh, so, uh, They're relentless. Who huh? <laughs> got to me first, it probably would have been Air Force, you know. So. Was it at the school or was it like some, because I remember at Mascuda one year, I remember they had like in the cafeteria, they had recruiters, like yeah, tables yeah. there. Um, I don't remember. Um, I just know he was at my house one day. I'm not sure. At your I, house? Yeah. And you lived I mean, on base, lived right? Yeah, oh, that's yeah, interesting. So I, I'm I'm not sure. It's, it's oh, so that's long. interesting. <laughs> it was so long ago. I can't remember how it started, but uh, and it was actually like so. I got recruited like the summer before my senior year, uh, and then my brother he was in college, dropped out of college, and so when he was staying with us at the time during my senior year, he kind of got scooped up by the same recruiter. So my brother went in like very two or three months before I did. Yeah, oh, so, wow. Yeah. He was a good yeah. recruiter then. How <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, funny. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. You were Air Force brat, Army vet. What places did you um, live growing up? And then were you stationed any, where were you stationed as an ar- in the Army? So it was interesting. So uh, I know we share Okinawa connection. So Which um, I did not know. <laughs> yeah. We kind of like, you know, traded places. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, but actually, uh, so I was born in California. Uh, I can't remember the Air Force Base in San Bernardino. I was literally three months old before my dad got orders to go to Okinawa the first time. Okay. Uh, where they couldn't take infants because there was some kind of water drought or shortage or something going on. So Interesting. Uh, he, he got stationed over there for like a year. Me and my mom, we went to go stay with my her family in Texas. Uh, so we stayed with him for like a year. Then my dad came back, and we got he got stationed in Lorac Air Force Base, Arkansas. Uh, we stayed there for about I want to say it's about I was like one to like three or four, about three years. Then we moved to Germany. So Germany is actually at Ramstein Air Force Base. Uh, so we were there for about three years. I actually started school kindergarten, kindergarten there in Germany at the Air Force Base. Uh, then we moved back to Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, Little Rock Air Force Base, Arkansas. Uh, ooh, man, I'm trying to remember the years, but I know we were there for, ew, I wanna say 81 or something around there. We got back mm-hmm. to Little Rock Air Force Base in 81. Uh, and we stayed there for like maybe five, six years. And then, 1987, we got stationed in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, I was going into junior high. 
I was, I was about, was I, yeah, I was seventh grade. I was about halfway through seventh grade when I got stationed moved in that. We got stationed moved in that one uh, at Kadena. Uh, and then from Kadena to Scott Air Force Base, which is where my dad retired. You know, we set roots there. So then in, do you remember much of Okinawa? I mean, you were at an age where you- yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was watching a podcast with you and your sister and I was around the same age as she was when right. you guys moved to Okinawa. So I remember a lot of the things you guys were talking about, uh, the yakitori sticks, uh, going out to gate two shopping, Later on, like when before I left, other gate two activities, <laughs> <laughs> which were all legal for us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, hey, yeah. So, yeah, I remember a lot uh, going because when we first got there, we lived, uh, we 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 couldn't get into the Hershey TLF, right? Uh, so we stayed right outside gate two. There's a hotel called Hotel Crown, I uh -huh. or Crown Hotel. It was a little small, rinky-dink hotel. And like, this was my first immersion into Okinawan culture. And first time I had Asian food ever. So okay. uh, the fried rice, I just fell in love with the fried rice oh, yeah. and the yakisoba. <laughs> I don't know what, the fried rice and the yakisoba. I just remember we could go down to the hotel uh, restaurant and we could just order it. And it was on the military because we were just kind of- Oh, because you weren't in military. Like yeah, it was like our TLQ. So they right. basically- military pay for so we would go down there me and my brother we would just order tons of this you know <laughs> Okinawa cuisine and just pig out you know so and gate uh, two and had a delicious like they had all those little like bento stands where you could get the yeah. yakitori sticks easy and yeah, cheap and were. they had like all that stuff there yeah and I haven't had anything close to it since losing anything oh yeah it. no even when I took my husband back, like a lot has changed. And when I've been back twice, but two, three years ago, I think 2019, right before COVID hit, the year before COVID hit, um, we went and my husband came with us. And even he like, yeah, like he was just like the food there. So, I mean, anytime you go anywhere, like overseas, yeah. right, yeah. the food is always better. <laughs> but like, even now he'll like talk about like, oh, well, you know, the food over there, like the ramen and the soba and everything else, it's yeah. all like so much better over there. It is. It is. And yeah, I want to go back, but no, that's so crazy. <laughs> so then you went to, let's talk about that for a little bit. Cause I love talking about, you know, <laughs> um, so, but you were on Kadena, like we were originally stationed on Kadena, but my dad was E9 the second time we went because the first time, well, he was there in the late sixties. That's where he met my mom. And then they left. Um, and then they went back um, in the mid 70s. So then I was born in 76. And I think that they had just gotten there or something. But um, and then we left in like, I think, 80 after Karen was born, 79, 80, then went back. And I was 11th, 12th grade in a year after. So we were Kubasaki, but um, on Camp Foster, which is the Marine Corps base, because he couldn't find E9 housing. So then something that I learned was Kubasaki was sixth through 12th grade then at the time you were there. But I'm going to assume since you were Kadena, did, was there a junior high on Kadena Air Base? Not at the time, yeah. So when I, we got there, it was literally, yeah, seventh through 12th grade was uh, Kadena High School. Oh. Uh, and then I think you had Bob Hope and Amelia Earhart go elementary school. So one okay. Third and the other ones, I mean, kindergarten through second, and then a 
Bob Pope was third through sixth or vice versa. I can't remember. Right. Uh, it was the two elementary schools. And then if you were seventh grade, you automatically junior high, you went to a Kadena high school and it was seven through 12. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I can't remember because Karen then went to Lester middle school on the Naval base, but I don't remember. Apparently she was the first year that they did that. So that was 92, 93 school year. But um, I don't know if the Kadena kids went there. I just, I know that like the the kids from the Marine base and the Army base, Navy base went there. I think eventually they did create a junior high. I'm not sure. I don't, I, you know, don't, I'm not hundred percent sure. Right. But some of the friends I did catch up with said they eventually did create a junior high uh, because I guess the population uh, of kids. Uh, right. I, I just remember it being a big high school and a lot of kids uh, <laughs> and very, very culturally diverse schools. I, I, and I guess that is with like all DOD schools. But, uh, right. Well, that's one of the things. And I think that's like when her and I would talk about like um, when we left Okinawa, because you're on the small island. So I think that yeah. um, being American, living in Japan on a small island, being military brats, like that kind of takes over everything else. And everybody hung out with everybody, you know, when you go out to the parks or the seawall or anything like that. Like, yeah. It didn't really matter, like people's race, <laughs> yeah, ethnicity, yeah. even like yeah. I guess like what clique or group you would belong to. Yeah, you had yeah, you had your cliques and groups, but even within those cliques and groups, it was still multicultural diverse. Yes. Know? And like you still like interacted with other yeah. cliques and groups, you know, so to speak. Cause and it was just fun. Like everybody, I don't know. I always feel like Okinawa is just it's such a and sometimes I don't know if it's because like my family is there. So, you know, yeah. it's a part of me and my life, but um, it I'm so glad we were there when I was young, older so that I could remember and experience a lot more. And, um, but no. So what were some of the things that you guys used to do when you lived there, either by yourself or with your friends or as a family? Yeah. So yeah, as a family, I remember we used to go to the North side of the Island to mm -hmm. a resort. We, used to, we went there every year. Okay. It was a it was a resort called Okuma. We're all right. It's still there. Is it still there? Yeah, we went there as a family with other families. We went up there, and I just remember having a blast up there. Um, uh, as far as friends, man, it was just man. Like I said, so before we got base housing, after we moved out of the hotel, we lived out in the economy. So we lived right outside. Uh, I want to say it was eight five. Okay. But we lived in the economy, so we were in with the, you know Okinawa uh, uh, population, and it was other military families as well who lived out in the economy as well as we were waiting. Because my dad, we were waiting for four bedroom housing because we mm -hmm. were in the school, so uh, he was on the list. And the housing list was—I don't know if it was like that when you guys were there, but the housing list was super long, super right. long. So, uh, but as soon as so we lived out in the economy for about the first year we were there uh, and so for Okinawa for me it was literally like from seventh grade to tenth grade so seventh grade is kind of you're going into junior high you're trying to figure out your identity so my <laughs> it was kind of I was making a real big pivot in my life I guess as far as friends and where I belong mm -hmm. and who I belong to and all that because living out in the economy I had one group of friends uh, and then when I moved on base, uh, I had another group of friends. And then by the time yeah. I left, 
I was in another group of friends. So it was, you know, it was all, you know, it was different. It was different. And then people move too. I find that like, yeah. um, cause that, yeah. so, I mean, when I was high school, I had like, you know, I got there 11th grade and I met a few friends and then senior year, I had my group of friends. Then after graduation, people started separating and then I ended up having a new group of friends and yeah, that middle school age, like, like you said, you know, with Karen, she had a really, it's a very pivotal time in somebody's life. And then yeah. to add on yeah. like being overseas like that. So how did, what was that? I mean, but you had lived in Germany, but Germany and Japan is quite different. So what were those yeah. like two experiences, like being out of the U S and being in different cultures, language, so in Germany, it was different because I was so, I was young. I was, I was about there at the age of four and we left. Okay. Like seven. Mm -hmm. I still remember some things. I remember like my father taking us to the castles, you know, uh, uh, driving on the Autobahn. Uh, I can't remember the river. I think it was the Rhine River. Um, remember the snow, a uh, few friends here and there. Uh, it was I, one thing I do remember is him taking us to some mall and they had this gummy bear store. And it was like gummy bears, any type of anything that was gummy, they made. <laughs> and I will just remember that's and to this day I'm in love with gummy bears. <laughs> um, that's my favorite candy. As my kids, matter of fact, they gave me a super big bag for positive good. Oh. But yeah, I, and that's one thing I do remember him taking us there. And we got in, I guess you weigh about a pound. And I just remember coming out there with a big old bag of all, all things gummy. Uh, <laughs> and I remember some, remember the ice cream truck that they used to come through our neighborhood because uh, he made this spaghetti ice cream, which it wasn't spaghetti okay. flavored. It was just, right. he put different Look colors. Like spaghetti. Yeah. And then he would put it in the strainer and it would come out like spaghetti strings. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I remember, I remember that. Uh, I remember... Uh, one thing about Germany, I remember being safe uh, because as kindergartner, I was walking maybe at least half a mile to school with my oh, friends. Oh, wow. As, mm -hmm. as kindergartner. You right. know, we walk in groups, you know, without my mom. Well, we would walk to the, remember me and my brother walking to the pizzeria playing Space Invaders games. Uh, we're walking to the, uh, it's not the youth center, what they call those? It was AYA, I think they called it. Uh huh. Walking, it's like a youth center. On base. Right, so we yeah. there, you know, we would walk there by ourselves. And here I am, kindergarten, first grade. You know, my brother, he's three years older than me, so he's third, fourth, fifth grade. And us just friends, you know, just kids hanging out playing, you know. Uh, yeah. That's one thing I remember. And I also remember the schnitzel in Germany. I remember the schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny because um, there's certain things when we lived in England, I was fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, but I remember a Jelly Belly store, or like a jelly bean store, where you just go in, and yeah, it's just filled with jelly beans, and then um, the ice cream truck, I remember the ice cream mm. truck coming by, too, and the milkman, we had a milkman, because we lived um, in Lake Neath Village, so it was off base, but there was still a lot of um, American military that lived there, but the milkman, and um, no, and I think that's true, like that safety that you have on base, um, yeah, yeah, it's very different than when you're off base because, yeah. and I guess it's more of that, like it takes a village kind of thing. And then it's very, mm -hmm. it's much more disciplined, you know, very I much. think, um, yeah. So 
I think that safety aspect because even now as an adult and with my own kids, there's certain things because my husband and I grew up very differently. And so there's certain things where I'm just like, well, I didn't have that growing up. Like that was not a thing in my schools, you know, in high school, I went to a Dodge high school. We didn't have fights every day. Like, (laughs) you know, and he grew up in inner city Chicago. So it's very like, or when I even mm. talk to friends over here who grew up either in Chicago or the suburbs of Chicago, it's a very different, um, like, I guess, background for us. And as far as like safety, discipline, schools and everything like that. So then when you moved to Okinawa and so I guess when your dad, when your dad told you guys were moving to Japan, like what do you remember, like what your initial reaction was or what your thought process or what you were expecting or was it what you were expecting when you got there? I, I was excited uh, because I just knew we were going, like you said, I think in your podcast is like Okinawa, Japan. I didn't know there was a, a difference between mm-hmm. I just knew I'm going to Japan. I'll see you guys in about three years. I'll be right. back in 1990. You know, I thought we were <laughs> going back. because I, You know, at the time I had a lot of friends. I just started junior high school in uh, in Arkansas. So I thought, you know, and I'm still friends with a lot of those guys today. So I just thought, okay, okay three years, I'll be back, guys. We're coming back, you know, because we that was like our longest duty station since being there in Little Rock for like two different, um, two different, my dad's two different stations, stationed right. twice. Uh, so literally like nine, 10 years of my life was Arkansas. So it was just like, I'm going to Okinawa, guys, three years, I'll be back, you know, business as usual. So it was just, you know, you know, being in the military, being in the military brat, mm-hmm. okay, three years, it's time to up and go. You know, then three years there, I'll be back. Uh, and then getting there, uh, like I said, the, just the culture shock. It's just the culture shock, especially being living in the economy, living around uh, Okinawans. Uh, man, the nicest people, nicest. Yeah. People. Uh, um, I even go sometimes. I even go on Google Maps and I just try to find the old neighborhood that we live on out there, and I see the same Mama-san store that's still there. Oh. I used to go get these uh, ten. These little, little chocolate donuts that were like mm-hmm. ten in, and I would every time when I pass by, I at least get about three or four of those. <laughs> ten, ten, about three chocolate donuts, and then one of those freeze pop that you break in half in the middle. So, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was always, she knew I was coming. I had my fifty yen piece, so it was always the donuts, and then one of those. So, oh. Um, yeah. And then, you know, going down to the seawall, hanging out with friends, snorkeling out there. Uh, it was just, it was, I, I love it because uh, I'm, like me and my wife were so diverse because my wife, she's from Southern Illinois area in Cahokia. Until we moved to Dallas, she's never been outside. Oh, wow. Really? And me being, you know, uh, being military brat, moving around, seeing different things and traveling a lot. Uh, I don't think I would have had that experience just if I was like her, if you know, my family right. just from one area and not moved around. So, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Okinawa was really, it was, it was bittersweet because uh, getting there, like my, my brother, he was in high school. So he was a big football star before we left Arkansas. So when we first got there, of course, the college opportunities are not as great there, especially mm-hmm. him being a football player and, I don't know how it was when you guys got there. So there's literally only uh, two. Kubasaki and Kadena, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's only like two American high schools. So and I think they broke them down into four different teams. I think 
we had the Islanders and the Buccaneers at Kadena, and then I can't remember at Kubasaki. Yeah, Shogun and Samurai at Kubasaki. Yeah. And then Dragons and Panthers. <laughs> yeah, Panthers. Yeah. So that was basically it for football. It was just those four teams. And then I guess they made an all-star team out of those two teams and they played, you know, I guess Panthers versus the, the Dragons. Dragons, yeah. So, uh, and I think basketball was different though. I think basketball they had varsity was but the dragons and then the I think they did the two JV and varsity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's funny. So but being that so my brother, after like his first his last semester of his I'm gonna say that was his sophomore year, he went back stateside to finish school to get uh, scholarships and he eventually did, you know, got a football scholarship at the University of Arkansas. So I was missing him those last two years. Uh, that we were stationed there because it was like oh, okay. all my buddies had yeah, all my buddies had older brothers who were his age. Oh uh, yeah. So, yeah. So it was like, you know, and there was that protection again. You know, it was that protection that mm -hmm. their brother provided them to the, oh I'm sorry, the light you know? <laughs> no, <that's laughs> that <they're> <laughs> their brothers provided them that I was looking for my brother because it was sometimes, you know, it was some areas where I, I was getting bullied. Well uh -huh. I didn't have that protection from my brother. Uh -huh. the other, my other friends, they had that petition because their brothers were in that clicked up. So, but other than that, but I, I was like my second year going through that. And then my third year, it was transitioning into high school, high school years. Met, like I said, that was my like my second transition there. So got in with the new clique of friends and got into sports and things of that nature. And then all my high school life is going good, going good. Then, oh, you got orders. You go to Scott Air Force Base, Illinois. I'm like, man, I'm just getting good <laughs> here, you know? Because the first two you years, it was dreams. like, it was good, but it was yeah. like, ah, I'm, I'm ready to go. And then the third year, I'm like, oh, I'm getting good. Then orders, you're going to Scott Air Force Base, Illinois. I'm like, oh, uh, this was getting good, yeah. <laughs> the sports thing is an interesting thing. When I talk to um, my friend Co, like, because yeah, like when you're overseas and you're in the military, mm -hmm the opportunities or at least when we were younger for scholarships and stuff like that weren't really there so it's like what are your options then like that's an interesting thing to that I think I might like look into a little bit more um okay so we we're talking about Okinawa but then you moved to Scott Air Force Base and again you're at a pretty critical age high school right teenager mm -hmm. so how was that when you moved back were you happy to move back to the states um what did you have any kinds of um like difficult transitions or was it mostly positive? Uh, it was, ah, oh man, um, not knowing. Yeah. Moving to Scott Air Force Base, it was, a, it was a, definitely a change uh, because I was in 10th grade uh, and it was around the late, what, 1989. Right. 89-90-ish frame, And so that was a, a time frame of, I guess, the previous three years in Okinawa, you only hear about things that's going on in the States. So I heard about the crack, the gangs, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, and then moving back, that was one of the fears. It was like, man, when they got gangs out there, or, or, you know, I heard things about St. Louis area, things of that nature, drugs and all that, which not to say that there wasn't any drugs, right. but being that it was prevalent, and I'm not under that umbrella, say that safety umbrella of the DOD schools. Uh, you know, I'm going to be going to school with, you know, so other civilian 
you know, children, you know, or non-military children. So that was one of the concerns of just, okay, now I got to fit in again, you know, where am I going to land, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and what things are going to happen. So, and then learning it like Sky Air Force Base, we, we got here, we're driving, and it's way different than it looks now because <laughs> it is. Then, yeah, back then, you know, where you see all those shopping centers and stores and all that, it was cornfields. Nothing right. but cornfields as far as you can see. And I'm like, man, where are we, Dad? I'm like, wow. you know? You're like, this is not the St. Louis I thought we were going to be. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you cross the bridge, you know, you sit down, you cross the bridge and you see nothing but cornfields. You know, you see St. Louis, they say, oh, stay away from St. Louis. And then you see nothing but cornfields at the cornfields at the cornfields. And they're just like, man, how much corn does America eat, man? I mean, <laughs> it was literally, yeah, cornfields at the cornfields. Even when we were on base, the base surrounded by surrounded. corn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's it funny because <laughs> when, um, so, you know, my kids were, we're right outside of Chicago. So my kids are pretty yeah. urban kids. And um, we go down there, especially now that my parents moved back down there. And I took, yeah. um, it was just me and both my kids, my daughter and my son. And so we went down there and my dad de- drove us around Skyder Air Force Base, which has changed so much. Yeah. Like our house isn't even there anymore because it's all yeah, brand new housing. And then um, we went by around Mascuda, which I mean, they've got some new houses, but other than that, not a whole lot's changed. But as we're driving around, I'm like, oh, and if you look to the left, here's a nice cornfield and look to the right and here's another cornfield. And my son is like, why are there so many cornfields? I was like, well, because people like corn, I guess. And then he's like, did you have to harvest the corn when you lived here? I'm like, no, like, why would I harvest the corn? That's what the farmers who own these cornfields are for. He's like, I don't know. There's just so many. Like, how many people does it take? And I was just like, I don't know, but that's not my problem. (laughs) Back in the 90s, he would even be even more shocked because literally, like, at Scott, where they built all the new housing, that was all Mm cornfields. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a lot it of cornfields. It was a culture shock. It was like, oh, man. So now I'm in the country, country. So, <laughs> then it was like, yeah, well, you living on base. You're going to be going to Muscuda High School. I'm like, what the hell is a Muscuda? What's that? <laughs> so, yeah, that was, it was a big difference. And then, you know, going to Muscuda, it was, uh, it was eye-opening. <laughs> it, it was definitely cultural wise and racially wise mm-hmm. uh, being in that that early 90s era uh, it was definitely a, a, a culture shock especially coming out of a DOD where uh, pretty much everybody got along right uh, and I think there was a big culture shock between the military kids in Muscuda and then the local kids in the school. Um, it was, it was you, you know, I'm be honest, it was racial tension and, and things, you know, but for the most part, you know, we survived it or it was, you know, we brushed off, we brushed it off or things of that nature, but it was just completely different than what I was used to, like I said, coming out of Okinawa, even if you had your skater click or your, your rap click or your punk rocker click, it was so many different ethnicities even within those groups that you right. still match but here it was the lines were pretty much you know I, I for lack of a better term you know 
uh, black and white, you know, or military, non-military. It was very much like, yeah. Um, I remember because I couldn't wait to leave Sky Air Force Base, and it wasn't just because you know of yeah, like being at Sky Air Force Base from a scooter. We had been there four years, and for me, that was just like a year too long. Um, so I was kind of just like ready to go. I couldn't wait. And when my dad got the orders to Okinawa, I was just like, okay, good. Finally, you know, let's go. And, um, but I remember I was cleaning out and packing, I think when I moved to Chicago and there was like an old high school paper that I wrote in 11th or 12th grade for history class. And I guess I wrote about some of the racial tensions at Bascuda high school and, um, the teacher wrote something like a comment on there about it. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like, I guess as an adult, it was something that I didn't think of anymore. But um, as I'm like reading through it, I was just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I guess if I'm reading this, it sounds like, yeah, it was kind of, I was just like, I remember there was like one period of time where it was very like prevalent and there was like issues. And um, I remember in the gym or the cafeteria or something, they had to keep people separated. And then there was some issues where, um, you know, we would go to like games somewhere, you know, basketball games, and they would call us like end lovers. And I'm just like, what? Like, it was such, it was for me, like, you know, yeah. I was just like, this is insane. Like, I don't understand what the issue, like, what is going on here? Yeah, and, and, that, and, that, and that's what it was. It was, especially if you if you played sports and you traveled, it was just not, it, it, it's not, it wasn't just Muscoo per se. Right. The surrounding towns um, who were not so much used to having, uh, I guess, people of different races in there. Uh, or being or ha- living in their towns, uh, uh, I remember Highland was one of the towns. Uh, mm-hmm. even north up to Jerseyville, Roxana, uh, going there. Uh, remember playing basketball games and uh, them calling me because you know if you remember I had the, the you had the high right. top, yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I remember uh, some of them guys uh, in the crowds calling me Buckwheat, and then oh, uh, you remember Rod Johnson? They called him mm-hmm. Buckwheat Junior because he had a high top. Oh my top. goodness. It was some of the racial things. It was like, and like I said, at that time with the music we were listening to and this and that, it was just like, oh, it's time to turn on the militant black guy. And just and then some of that spilled over into the school in Muscuda, and mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was a powder keg, you know, just about to be lit. Luckily, it didn't explode, but it was a lot of tension back then. And I think because it is definitely a learned behavior, like I remember when, you know, as a cheerleading, we'd go to the, I think it was in Highland where, um, you know, we even had like a little girl came up to us and was Mm. like, why are you guys the end lovers? I was like, what? Like she was like six years old. And I'm like this. Yes. And as like you see, it's definitely a learned behavior and not everybody down there is like that. You know, we're not saying that, but that was just like. Yes, like those were the experiences that you had. And, um, but no, I think that, and thank God it didn't spill over into anything that could have been a lot, a lot worse at Muscuda, but. Yeah, it was such a shock because, you know, I say growing up military, you know, and you you can attest to this too. uh, You know, we've seen interracial relationships. We've seen like my my father and my mom, their friends, some of them have interracial relationships. white Asian friends, uh, a white, you know, married to Asian or black married to Latino, black married to uh-huh. so many combinations. It was, I was so used to seeing interracial relationships. So 
it was nothing new for me. But then going there, it was just like, whoa, this is different. You know, this is different. I'm actually experiencing firsthand racism. Like I said, we were under that protection, that umbrella right. of being a military vet, and we didn't see a lot of that. Even just in the next town over in Belleville, I didn't know how bad the racial tensions were in Belleville. I seen a, it was a documentary on 60 Minutes. They were talking about the, the highway that separates East St. Louis from Belleville, just crossing that highway. Oh, wow. In trouble, yeah. It was like, and that was around the time we were there, like nine, I think they did that documentary in like 1990, 91. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was just, you know. I have to look into that. Yeah, I know the yeah. GPS, every time I go down there, if we're going into the city, the GPS always mm -hmm. sends us through East St. Louis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's so <laughs> I'm like, and this yeah. isn't Chicago, like Chicago, there's, there's so many more buildings and, you know, no yeah. matter where you're going, homes or whatever, there's just a lot of more buildings in there. It's just like random side streets. And I was like, I have no clue where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So outside of, yeah. So outside of, outside of that, uh, Scott Air Force Base, man, that's, that's home. That That's out of all the places we were stationed. I would actually have to say that's home because that's where I met. Well, I met lifelong friends. Everywhere. But oh yeah. Being that I graduated there, my other friends that I still hang with to this day, uh, I think you had one on uh, Dr. Terrence Duncan. He's one I, I keep up with. But there's a close knit about four or five of us, uh, and you probably know him, Leroy, yeah, Jim, Rod, Steve, and myself. Uh, and then there's also Tim Rainey. Uh, but uh, you remember Junior? You know, yeah. Yeah, we all still oh. hang. Yeah, we still all hang to this day. Uh, you know, so we're still close. So those are like my brothers. So uh, out of Scott came that brotherhood. So uh, so that's why we call that. Still, it's even though we all moved out. Some some guys are still there, but even though a lot of us have moved away, that's still home for us because that's where we all formed our bond. Well, yeah, because isn't like um, Rod left, right? And Steve, he's, yeah. last I heard he was in Arizona. Is he still there? Yeah. And yeah, then so, um, so. Leroy left, I think. Yeah, no, Leroy, Leroy's still there. Leroy is oh, in okay. Maryville. He's in Maryville, okay. Collinsville. Uh, Junior and Tim are still there. Uh, Rod and Jaren are in Denver. Uh, and Steve is in Phoenix. And then Cleve. I remember Cleve and Caesar. Yeah, Caesar. he had... Yeah, he's in Denver too. So oh. every time I go out to Denver, I catch up with those guys, and we have a we have a blast. It's just like Moscow to 1990 all over again. We it's just like <laughs> we, you know we get to talking about each other, having fun, listening to music. It's just like you know we haven't grown up about one bit. So you know we still have. I, I should try to get either like all of you or at least like a big group of you on one episode or at least get something like Leroy and Steve and some of them other people like individually I'm sure, sure they could sure. because they're all mixed race too right Steve's Korean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and Leroy's um Afro-Latino yeah. I think Puerto Rican yeah. and then um yeah, Junior Steve, <laughs> yeah, Steve is right Korean Junior is uh black and Thai yeah uh, Leroy, yeah, Afro-Latino. Um, and then all of you together would just probably be a big old party, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do you sure you want us all on the one? 
<laughs> you might hear some things you had. You got a uh, like a, a mute you button. You have to or, get better at editing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'll that be on to the because we 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 still we're all on WhatsApp. We have our group chat, but then uh, you know every once in a while we'll we'll get uh, a phone call going, and it's man. It's nostalgic. <laughs> back to the lunch table at Mascuta where we're just going off on each other. So oh, funny. Well, weren't you part of you and um, I don't remember who else. Was hey. it that the the little singing group? Hey, 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 we're not gonna hey. <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> it was awesome though. Like I yeah, still when um, I listen to like boys to men, <laughs> oh. I still remember it the talent show or something. I still like I still think of that. Yeah. <laughs> It was, who was that? It was me, William Rivera, Paul Whitfield. Okay, yes. And I can't remember. It was another, it was a white guy. There was like five of you, I feel like. But yeah, I can't remember. I remembered you were in it. Paul was in it. Um, And then another guy who was friends with Tony Herring, but I can't remember the guy's name. Was it William? That was was Will Rivera. That was Will Rivera, me, Paul. Oh, I can't remember the white guy's name. Man, um, I can't oh, think man. of. I just seen him on Facebook too, not too long ago. I can't think of his name, but yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, because when we that, first I know because you guys were awesome. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, it it, it was good. <laughs> you know those guys, they still rag me about that, man. Oh, they rag me about that. Oh, to this day, it was good. You guys are good, so whatever. <laughs> All right. So, um, but you said your wife was from Southern Illinois. So was yeah. this um, when you guys moved to Dallas? Because yes, yeah, like you've moved around. So I'm sure moving around like that move from Southern Illinois to Dallas wasn't as big of a thing for you. So then for her, how do you think with that difference in how you guys grew up and that, like, I guess that um, perception and the feelings of moving around and the coping of being able to move, just get up and move from one place to another, how was there like, I guess, um, differences in how you guys dealt with that? Like, how did she feel about that? Was she kind of like on board? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's go. Or no, yeah, it was her anxiety was through the roof because she I'm literally like, because uh, she was born in Memphis, Tennessee, but she moved up to East St. Louis when she was like two or three, mm-hmm. and then went to Cahokia and Fairview Heights like all the way her whole life. Never, I don't think even traveled <laughs> outside of maybe visiting Memphis. I mean, you know, going back to visit Memphis, but never really traveled outside of uh, that St. Louis metro area. Uh, so for her, her anxiety was through the roof. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was it, it was it was a change for me as well because outside of the time that I did in the military, I came back to the area. So literally from ninety five, ninety six, all the way up until we moved in two thousand sixteen, those you know, twenty years or so. I was I was I was there in, in Southern Illinois, so it was like okay, job opportunity. We had already been talking about moving, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to move to Texas. We were trying to get to San Antonio, but because you know, opportunity in Dallas opened up. Uh, I talked to her about it, and she, you know, she was like, okay, okay, you know, not knowing that she was wanting to move to Dallas, but I think it was just lip service at the time. Um, but when the opportunity actually hit, you know. Her anxiety was through the roof. She's like, well, I don't know. And I had questions and this, this, and that. I said, we'll be fine, you know. You know, after, you know, after, after I got over my initial, like, okay, job opportunity, okay, we can do it. Let's go. And, but her, it was like, ah, 
what about this? What about that? Questions, this, this, and that, you know. What about the kids? Or, you know, because right. my daughter at the time was, she was just starting high school, ninth grade. Mm. Or, <clears throat> was she ninth grade? Yeah, she just finished her ninth grade year. Uh, and so it was kind of, she really took it hard. So, because she had lived there her whole life. Right. And, and that's like every three years she was getting up friends. She was getting up friends of almost, you know, 13, 14 years her whole life she knew. So, so it was really difficult for her uh, transitioning. But, you know, she ended up, she adapted. Uh, and my wife, now she says she would move back <laughs> to stay here alive again. She said she's here. She's a Texas girl now. Though, so. Well, I think just like winter alone. I mean, I know this past winter in Dallas was, had a couple <laughs> rough days, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. I want to move, like, I want to move somewhere that isn't snowing. And I mean, I would do Southern Illinois cause I felt like that, that my parents are down there. So I was like, and at least just until, you know, my youngest graduates high school. And then after that, like, let's move again. Like, but I moved around a lot and like for my husband, it's harder. And even for my kids, like you said, like they've been here their whole life. And so mm. they've got friends. Yeah. Like my son has friends that he's known since he was three years old. So mm. So yeah, like I, um, but I think when we grow up moving around, like it's easier for us to make that decision and to do it mm -hmm. than for somebody, a partner that we have that didn't grow up like that. Cause it is hard. It's difficult emotionally, yeah, um, yeah. physically, you know, all that, but to me, it's like, oh yeah, it's hard, but it's not gonna, it shouldn't stop you. Just do it and then figure it out. But I think sometimes I forget how, yes, it can be more difficult because I'm used to it. Yeah, definitely. Can. definitely can. Yeah. Especially because it's with us being used to pulling roots up and mm -hmm. sitting here and doing three years, you know, and then their roots are a little bit more grounded because they've been there for so long. Uh, like I said, when I was leaving, we were leaving Arkansas, because like I said, about 10 years of my life was there in Arkansas. I was like, right. oh, I'm, I'm going back to Arkansas and haven't been back since, you know, so. Still got friends there and all that, you know. Uh, but you know, I catch up with on Facebook, but yeah, that was kind of because when we were coming back from Okinawa, I could have swore we were coming at the Little Rock, but mm -hmm. I'm like, what? No, no, get, go back and get those chains. Gotta go back to Little Rock. <laughs> so, yeah, that's funny. Well, so then I guess the um, because. I guess when your dad retired or left the military, if you stayed in the Scott Air Force Base area, that transition, mm -hmm. how was that? Like, would you say that that was difficult or would you say it was pretty easy because you were able to stay in the same place? So he retired when I was in. So he retired when I was in the service. So okay. literally, uh, I want to say my second year in, he that's when he retired. So I'm going to say he retired in 94. Uh, and so I was already, I was stationed in Georgia, Fort Stewart, Georgia. And so um, then, I don't know, matter of fact, no, he, it was 95 when I got back. Matter of fact, no, it was, he retired after I got back out of military. Because uh, I remember coming back, they were still on base. And then he put in his retirement papers, 95, that's when it was. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was a transition for him and my mom. Uh, it was a huge transition because, like you said, you're no longer under that. Well, they're under that retirement umbrella. They still get, you know, all the benefits uh -huh. of retirement. But now you're living off base with that becomes other responsibilities, other duties, you know, things of that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I think anytime, yeah, anybody retires that that change in need and your routine and all of that, yeah. that changes too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I think that was the biggest challenge for, for my dad was just that change in routine of, okay, now I, my schedule went from, I know I was doing at seven. I knew I was doing at 10. I knew I was doing this, this, and that. Now, okay. I got to find a new job because even though, you know, you get that retirement pay and all that, yeah. In this economy, that's just yeah. not enough. That's my dad enough. and yeah, my dad ended up doing a similar job that he did in the Air Force. They made it a civilian job, and that opened yeah. up, and he went. So he essentially reti- retired twice from the yeah. same job. So, and so what about what about for you? Like when you left the army and the National Guard. So after you got out of the National Guard, was that how was that transition? Because then you know, I mean, do you still have a military ID? Like, are you still no, able no, to no. get on base? Yeah. So how was that transition of like leaving that military community for you? So, uh, so it's, it's two different things. So when I left active duty and I came back, it was similar, like to my dad, I was so used to what I was going to do every day. I knew Monday, you know, what we were doing, I knew Tuesday, what we were doing, Wednesday, you know, was fixing the trucks. Thursday, we were training. Friday was like a start or like a fun day kind of thing. So it was just like every day was structured. You knew what you were doing mm-hmm. Monday through Friday uh, outside of if you were deployed or if you were training uh, out in the field. Uh, but coming back, it was like, man, so now I have to transition from a structured military life. Now I'm going into civilian life. On top of that, uh, I had my two kids being a father uh, and then also try to be a full-time student. Uh, so it was a lot of transition for me. Yeah. It, it was a struggle, but, you know, I pushed through, you know, and that's one thing I, I credit to the military, uh, my, my experience in the military, and as a military brat, is adapting to change, you know. So, uh, you know, I was able to push through and, you know, succeed and all that. And the National Guard was, that was just the weekend, once a month, and then two weeks out of the year. So it wasn't really like a full-time military job. So it was just something I had to go one weekend every month and do it. Now, it was a big difference between training with the National Guard and training with active duty because I, I'm coming out of the, the structured military and you know everything is left, right, left. It's, and then you go into National Guard and I'm in there with guys who uh, have been in the National Guard since Vietnam days. Oh, wow. And, it's just like, and they're so kicked back, laid back and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> That's know? what I've heard. I'm going to have to do like, yeah. talk to some National Guard, like active duty and who also the National Guard, because yeah. that was something um, my friend Co, like he like touched on too, just that difference. Yeah. yeah so it's like going to there and it's like, hold on, these guys are drinking in the field and this, you can't, I'm like, okay, I just go with the flow. Then, it's interesting. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it was, you know, I adapted, you know, it was, being in the military brat and being in the military kind of prepared me, you know, so you for you to adapt to changes, things in that nature. Interesting. Um, so I guess what the last two things to talk about, what lessons do you think you learned growing up in the military that um, still follow you or influence you today as an adult? Uh, I would say tolerance. Uh, I have a high tolerance for I would say, no, is tolerance the right word? Uh, patience, I would say, I would say I have patience um, um, with people. Uh, 
able to sit back and just look at the situation as a whole before jumping to conclusions, before jumping into things. Uh, because being so, coming from that military brat, you know, having so many friends of different backgrounds of things in nature, you know, to where when people say, oh, I don't see color, like, I know what they're saying, they're just saying it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. uh, um, growing up around a lot of people with different cultures, you know, or different ethnic backgrounds and things in that nature, you're more accepting and, you, and you're more tolerant. You, you kind of, if somebody says something, okay, well, I know what you really meant by it, you know, thinking I'm not finna right. fly off and jump down your throat on it. So I would say patience and tolerance is something that's, that's really been taught just being in a culture diverse, you know, um, situations. I think that could even go with other things, not even just like cultural diversity, but just any kind of situation, being more patient and tolerant about a certain situation and being able to step back and I guess yeah. like looking at it and looking at it from different viewpoints, maybe and yep. thinking out of the box a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, what advice would you give to other military brats? Uh, military brats now? Mm -hmm. It's so different, man, than when we grew up. I, I don't know because they're, they're able to keep in touch with everybody through social media and things. They like are, that. yes. Back then, you know, it was just like, oh, we had to, you know, call, you know, make long distance phone calls or probably sneak. I think there phone was cards. Phone. <laughs> yeah, it was actually, it was funny because there was a phone when I got to Scott, there was a phone inside the rec center. Yeah. <laughs> without, you know, without, it was free. And I don't think if anybody knew about it, so I used to sneak over there and then call uh, people. Yeah. And you know, you'd be on a for like, hey, hey, hey. I think know, in the like, hospital, hey. I think the hospital had one too. Yeah, the hospital had one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the hospital had one too. So yeah. So yeah. Oh, how funny. Well, you, you were writing letters because a lot of my friends back, because you know, we're in Okinawa, you didn't get the music until. Six, they, seven months, eight, yeah. So they were back behind. So a lot of them was, hey, man, send me a tape or send me, you know, send me a, you know, it was, it was tapes back then, man. Record or when people tape. would come visit family in the States, they'd come back with the cassette or VHS, like, oh, watch this movie, watch this show or watch this yeah, video. Yeah, just having that mm -hmm. one channel, the Far East Network. Um, mm -hmm. man, that, was, that was horrible, just having one station. But yeah, sending them videotapes of movies, well, not necessarily movies because you can buy those movies out there on Gate Two Street. The <laughs> <laughs> <A> bootleg <laughs> music, yeah, that was that was one big thing. Yeah. So I mean, would you say then just like to try to keep in touch and yeah, like, I would say as you can. Touch. Yeah, I would say keep in touch, especially if you're at the end of your high school years. Mm -hmm. Those are the friendships that I have that I met. That I uh, that I made at Muscoota High, those are like my lifelong brothers. Even friends that I had in, in uh, Okinawa, I've I've caught up with them on Facebook, and I haven't caught up with them in person yet. Um, but I still plan to do that. But those ones that I met at Muscoota, like Rod, Aaron, Leroy, Steve, uh, primarily those ones, man, they we're like a brotherhood for life, uh, and I love those guys and all the my other friends like uh terry uh peanut oh, i'm just calling him peanut uh aaron <laughs> aaron smith 
Uh, Torrance, I, I, I talked to him. Uh, oh, who else? Man, there's so many other friends there, man. Cleveland. Oh, shoot, shoot. It's great that you're able to have yeah. kept in touch with them and that you guys are so close. And and there's always somebody, yeah, like even when with the military, there's always somebody somewhere. So if you're visiting yeah. or on vacation, there's always, it's like, okay, who do I know that lives there or at least lives near there? There's oh, always somebody Kenny, to talk to. Kenny, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah, in Kenny Florida? Robinson. Yeah, because he was around Cairns than me. I think he mm-hmm. was in that. I think it was a year older, maybe. Okay, yeah. He was somewhere between mine and Karen's, and we're three years apart, so he was somewhere between us two. But no, he was a sweetheart, too. But um, Okay, is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, uh, no. What about your time now? Maybe we have some friends that are kind of cross. I, I know. That's because... what I'm wondering now. If we have some mutual friends, we're going to have to troll each other's friends list or something <laughs> on Facebook. And then, well, there's like Facebook pages that are for Kadena Kubasaki. Um, I'll yeah. have to like see. Yeah. I didn't know too many people at Kubasaki, though. Yeah. I mean, I knew some people at just because I was a cheerleader. So I knew some of the kids. And then Karen talked to a lot of people from Kubasaki. Like, um, I think Alice Smith was there a long time. Um, Co Arms. Well, no, he was Kubasaki. Um, I knew a guy, Derek Jones. He was two years older than me. He um he went to Kadena High School, so he graduated. We got there ninety two ish. I think he graduated like ninety ninety one. Alec Canizales, I think he graduated in like ninety ninety one from Kadena High School. I know a few people. I don't remember a whole lot, just because that's who we met while we were in the Billetine on base. But yeah, we'll have to troll each other's friends list and see who we have that the mutual mutual friends. But all right, well then let me um thanks for coming on, James. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you. Know. Thank you. Hopefully you're able to get yours started soon. I am. I am. And, and, and thanks for the tip because I definitely was going to do something along this avenue as well. And I got some other topics or maybe a different one I'm, I'm going to do as well um, based on grandpahood and fatherhood, things of that nature. Aww. But definitely thank you for this, man, because this is awesome. This, I'm no, it's you. a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, ran with it because this is awesome. I love listening to you. I still got a couple others I got to listen to, but yeah, you've been doing, you've been doing a great well, job. Thank you for listening. I know and everybody can listen when you come out with your own podcast. <laughs>